the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network presents Vatican Insider with Joan Lewis. Each week, Joan brings you news from inside the Vatican and the church around the world, as well as interviews and answers to your questions. Now, here's the host of Vatican Insider, Joan Lewis. Welcome to a new edition of Vatican Insider with a roundup of the week's news at the Vatican and a wonderful interview segment with Monsignor Terence Hogan, coordinator of the Patrons of the Arts of the Vatican Museums. He's a wonderful storyteller, and we learn about the patrons' history, the chapters around the world, various restoration projects, tapestries, wood, mosaic, painting, sculpture, etc., and some little-known secrets about restoration. You'll also learn how to become a patron of the arts in the Vatican Museums. But first, I look at the news highlights. Celebrating the annual Sunday of the Word of God on the third Sunday of Ordinary Time, Pope Francis encouraged the faithful to be conquered by the beauty the Word of God brings into our lives, opening our hearts and showing us new and unforeseen wonders and horizons of God's love. The theme this year is from the Gospel of St. John, Remain in My Word. At the Angelus, the Holy Father announced a year of prayer ahead of the 2025 Jubilee year, and he invited the faithful to pray for Christian unity and for peace throughout the world. Francis asked people to intensify prayer to prepare us to live well this great event of grace, the Jubilee, and to experience the power of God's hope. Francis also called for the release of a group of people, including several nuns, who were kidnapped last week in Haiti. Monday, January 22nd. Pope Francis met with 150 reporters accredited to the Vatican, known as Vaticanisti, and he urged them to combine subtlety of spirit with journalistic skill in order to effectively broadcast news pertaining to the Pope and the Holy See. The beauty of your work around Peter is that it is founded on the solid rock of responsibility and truth, not on the fragile sands of gossip and ideological interpretations. In off-the-cuff remarks, Francis thanked the Vatican journalists for the delicacy you often show in speaking about the scandals of the Church, referring to respect for the victims and to the silence full of shame regarding the more lurid details. Tuesday, January 23rd. In a letter to young people to accompany a new edition of the UCAT, the Youth Catechism of the Catholic Church, Pope Francis invited them to find the secret to a joyful life in living with and for Christ. He said, reading the gospel, praying assiduously, and studying the catechism with enthusiasm help us to transfer to our heart and our mind the eyes, feelings, and attitudes of Jesus. Also Tuesday, Pope Francis received José Manuel Ramos Horta, the president of Timor-Leste, Timor got its first cardinal in August 2022 with Virgilio do Carmo da Silva. Approximately 98.3% of the population of Timor-Leste is Catholic. Wednesday, January 24th, at the weekly general audience, Pope Francis continued his catechesis series on vice and virtue with a reflection on avarice, explaining that avarice is not about how much wealth a person has, but it's a sin that affects us in a variety of ways. It is a sickness of the heart, not of the wallet. 
Francis warned that although it's possible to be masters of the goods we possess, often those possessions can end up controlling us. We can become anxious about always accumulating more and keeping what we have, but all our possessions can disappear in a moment. Let us be attentive and let us be generous, generous with everyone and generous with those who most need us. At the end of the audience, the Holy Father noted that Saturday, January 27th, is International Holocaust Remembrance Day. May the remembrance and condemnation of that horrific extermination of millions of Jews and people of other faiths, which took place in the first half of the last century, help everyone not to forget that the logic of hatred and violence can never be justified because it denies our very humanity. Thursday, January 25th, on the Feast of St. Francis de Sales, patron of journalists, the Pope's message for World Communications Day was released. Focused on AI, artificial intelligence, Francis writes that AI is radically affecting the world of information and communication, and through it, certain foundations of life in society, adding that these changes affect everyone. So, the Pope asks, how can we remain fully human and guide this cultural transformation to serve a good purpose? We must cultivate, he answered, wisdom of the heart, the virtue that enables us to integrate the whole and its parts, our decisions and their consequences, our nobility and our vulnerability, our past and our future, our individuality and our membership within a community. Also Thursday, an elderly priest, kind, gentle, fraternal, and peaceful in the face of wild and blind violence unleashed supposedly in the name of God. Thus wrote Pope Francis of Father Jacques Hamel in a message to the 27th edition of the International Days of St. Francis de Sales in Lourdes. Father Hamel was murdered in his parish church, St. Etienne de Rouvray, on July 26, 2016, at the hands of two Islamic extremists. The papal message was read by the Nuncio de France, Archbishop Celestino Migliore. Also Thursday, Pope Francis inaugurated the Vatican's judicial year, and he urged officials of the Tribunal of the Roman Rota, an appeals court, to pray fervently as they discern cases that get on their agenda. Without prayer, one cannot be a judge. If any of you are not praying, please resign. That would be better. He discussed the tension between justice and mercy, the importance of prayer for the judge's work, and the close relationship between judicial discernment and synodality. Also Thursday, Pope Francis presided over ecumenical vespers in the Basilica of St. Paul's outside the walls to close the week of prayer for Christian unity. He invited all Christians to avoid the devil's trap of division through prayerful, selfless service. Friday, January 26th, a multitude of audiences for Pope Francis. He received Volker Turk, the UN High Commissioner for Human Rights, Cardinal Christoph Schonborn, Archbishop of Vienna, Austria, Amy Pope, Director General of the International Migration Organization, Cardinal Américo Manuel Alves Aguiar, Bishop of Setubal, Portugal, and Bishop Mariano Crociata of Latina Terracina Sezze Priverno, Italy. He's president of the Commission of Episcopacies of the European Union. Francis also welcomed a delegation of the World Prayer Network of the Holy Father, 
members of the Mixed International Commission for Theological Dialogue between the Catholic Church and Oriental Orthodox Churches, participants in the annual study visit of Eastern Orthodox monks, and participants in the plenary of the Dicastery for the Doctrine of the Faith. And that's just the papal morning. Are you breathless yet? Well, now it's time to catch your breath, sit back and relax, and listen to my conversation with Monsignor Terence Hogan, coordinator of the Patrons of the Arts in the Vatican Museums. Today's question in the Q&A, what is the Roman Rota? Well, it's a Vatican tribunal. As he does every year at the start of the Vatican's judicial year, the Pope receives members of the Roman Rota, the highest appellate tribunal of the Catholic Church and the highest ecclesiastical court constituted by the Holy See. An appeal may also be made to the Pope himself, who is the supreme ecclesiastical judge. Now, the Catholic Church has a complete legal system, which is the oldest in the West still in use. The court is named Rota, which means wheel, because the judges, called auditors, originally met in a round room to hear cases. The Rota was established in the 13th century. The Pope appoints the auditors of the Rota and designates one of them the dean. The auditors of the Rota are selected from among recognized ecclesiastical judges serving various dioceses around the world. EWTN, communicating the faith. I want to thank you very much for what you have done for us these years as we converted to Catholicism two years ago, and you had a huge influence on us, the information that we got from you. So I do want to say a huge thank you for this show. So I'm listening, and I'm a new listener to this station, and I'm actually going to get a lot of friends to listen to this station. I'm so excited. Wings is a weekly newsletter that's packed with program information, features, and updates of all that's going on at EWTN. To sign up, go to EWTN.com, click subscribe, enter your name and email address, and you'll start getting your Wings every week. Get your Wings today. It's the weekly newsletter from EWTN, the Global Catholic Network. How should we pray? The disciples asked our Lord that question, and He gave them the Our Father, or the Lord's Prayer. But He also gave them the liturgy, which is the most privileged form of prayer in the Catholic tradition, especially the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. We can pray with the whole church in the liturgy of the hours, or the divine office. And we should also pray in our own private room, our secret chamber, as Jesus says. And then our Father who sees us in secret will reward us. Welcome back to Vatican Insider. Here's Joan Lewis. Well, I want to welcome everybody to a new edition of Vatican Insider and also to a new guest in the interview segment of Vatican Insider. And my special friend and guest today is Monsignor Terence Hogan. He's the coordinator of the Patrons of the Arts in the Vatican Museum. So, my friend, we've known each other a lot of years, but we've never done this interview, so welcome. Well, thank you very much, Joan. I really appreciate it. So, full disclosure, 
I have been a member for many years of the patrons of the Vatican Museums, and it's one of the most fun, rewarding things that I do, really, and you're going to learn why in just a few minutes. So my listeners, of course, they know what the museums are, but do you know who the patrons are, and what is the work of this office, how does one become a patron, stay tuned. So now, Monsignor, tell us first a little bit about yourself, where you're from, and and kind of your pathway to the uh, patrons. Well, thanks, Joan, for having me today and our, our, and chatting together about the patrons, which for me, I've been involved with the patrons for over 15 years. And uh, I'm a priest of the Archdiocese of Miami, where I was ordained for 42 years ago, oh. for full disclosure. Yeah. And uh, But I got to know the patrons around uh, uh, 15, almost 20 years ago now. And if I found that the patrons for me was a great way to connect with the Vatican Museums, connect with art, and connect with the conservation and preservation of the art here in the museums. I studied over here. I got my doctorate uh, uh, at Sant'Anselmo. So I had oh. studied art and architecture and liturgy. Liturgy. And, exactly. So with well, that I always love to tell people about the pill. Yeah. T-I-L. The pill, yeah, they, P-I-L. They look at you. What? That's the Pontifical Institute, Institute for Liturgy, folks. Exactly. So exactly. Rome has a pill. <laughs> so by being there, I uh, met some people who worked for the patrons and were patrons, and they introduced me to Father Alan Dustin. Oh, sure. Uh, who was... Uh, actually the second uh, director of the patrons. As you know, the patrons got started really as an idea uh, over 40 years ago. We've just celebrated our 40th anniversary. And before that, it was the Friends of the Vatican Museum. And that's That's interesting. That's right. And and so as the Friends of the Vatican Museum, what that goes back to is in the late 60s, early 70s, Pope St. Paul VI had a great idea and he went to he his loved friends. Art. Oh, he loved He started art. the modern art section, really, at the museum. And that's it, right there, yeah. the modern art section. So he went to some friends in uh, New York and asked them, he says, can you purchase art? And they did. They purchased modern art because he wanted to start the modern art, the contemporary art collection. So after a few years, the question came up, Holy Father now, what if we conserve the art that's within the Vatican Museums? Sure. And so at this time now... St. Paul VI had passed away, and now John Paul II is the Pope. And a man named Walter Persigotti. Of course. uh, He came, he was part of the museums, and he was the first, he was a layman, who actually founded, we could say founded, the Patrons of the Arts in the Vatican Museums 40 years ago. Well, you know, I, I, I heard a story from Bill Wilson, who on January 10th, 1984, he was named as the first U.S. ambassador to the Vatican. He'd been an envoy, but not the U.S. ambassador, Nunchatur, that's a whole new level. And I remember Bill, and you can confirm this, I remember Bill telling me a story about going to the museums one day, getting to know Walter. His question was, so um, does the Vatican spend money on buying art or restoring art? I mean, you know, there's so much charitable work that has to be done in the world, how can you do that? And that kind of, as I understand it, led to the conversation that led to the founding of the patrons who helped restore art. Exactly. He was he was very, very important. I mean, uh, when it comes to the beginning, the actual beginning of the patrons of the Arts of the Vatican Museum, his relationship with the Vatican. And uh, there was a, a group of patrons, New York, 
Illinois, Chicago, and California. Right. And they had requested some art to come to the United States, and that began this kind of pathway. Right. And uh, Ambassador Wilson took this on, and he really was kind of the spearhead in the United States of right. getting the patrons going. And Bill and Betty were from California, from Los Angeles. So, correct, correct. You know, that's how we had a lot of conversations, and I went to one or two events when the when there were the patrons, you know. Mm -hmm. so but, but it is a great story, and it makes a lot of sense. And uh, I know a lot of people who've asked me about the patrons or the museums, they, they're pleased when they find out that there is a group, there are groups, chapters, we'll talk about that, out there that help restore art, or it might even be, you know, in the case of buying, but usually restoring art from something small to something gigantic, so that, yes, the Vatican... Doesn't the Pope wouldn't have to spend money restoring a statue when his preference might be, certainly it is with Francis, uh, to use that same amount of money for the poor. So it, it's a wonderful work. Now, now tell me about the staff. How many work with you, what they do? Well, we have a wonderful staff here in, yeah. in Rome, here at the Vatican. Uh, there's five, uh, five of us all together. Well, six, uh, and I have five wonderful ladies. Uh, who have been working in the office, Sarah, and Sarah oh, yeah. particularly, Chiara, Lindy, and Anarita, and uh, it's it's uh, Martina. It's a wonderful bilingual group of women, and uh, they have assisted me. I, I arrived full time here two years ago, right, uh, to run the office, and we are kind of the headquarters of the patrons, and what we do each day is to tie patrons with specific works of art and then see if the patrons are interested or if they adopt a project then they go ahead and they coordinate the work of uh, the, the conservation. We work directly with the museums. I've been to your current office but I remember the first one if I was right off the Cortile San Damaso, yeah, that was amazing. That was an incredible, incredible. Uh, well, it's office. an amazing place to be. I mean, any head sure. of state, a state that comes to see the Holy Father, the Swiss Guards come down, gentlemen of His Holiness, and they mm -hmm. fill the courtyard, and mm -hmm. and that was just literally yards from your office. Exactly. I mean, it's there being it used in the to be a library. Or it used to be the library of one of the popes, right? Yes, Pope yeah. Nicholas. Yes, and eventually we had to move to another part of the Apostolic Palace and then became too small as the patrons grew. Yeah. And now we're in the administrative offices of the Vatican Museums, which allows patrons now, when they come and visit, every sure. time a patron comes and they take a tour and they see what they've restored and then they also uh, see what is possible, uh, we're able to invite them up to the office, which is a beautiful, beautiful office with a terrace. And uh, uh, just, you know, uh, we're very lucky to be there, very privileged to be there. Well, you might be receiving a visitor. I got an email yesterday and really had a smile from a gal who wrote me years ago. She's connected with the Illinois Club for Catholic Women, founded by a great aunt of mine, Julia Deal Lewis. And she was put in touch with me because of the club in Chicago. And so she came here a couple of years ago, and, you know, we met and had a meal together. So she wrote, she just got back to Rome, and she said, by the way, Joan, I've just joined the patrons of the Vatican <laughs> Museums in Chicago. She said, I've let them know I'm here, mm -hmm. and, I'm, you know, I'm waiting to go for a visit. So, right. you know, who knows if you don't meet her. Wow. Well, that's the incredible thing about, you know, the presence of the office, being able to greet of the patrons who really are the ones who support all this work. Oh, of we course, do. 
Let's look at a person who becomes a patron. Look at some of your people who are already patrons. What do they do? How do they meet? How do they restore works of art? We'll talk about the wish book, Mm -hmm. for example. That's, you know, among the projects. There's always projects to be done. That's on the website, which we will talk about at the end, and I will give on my blog. The amazing thing is the patrons, and one of the reasons I continued to be a patron, and then eventually now working for the patrons themselves, was the friendships that have evolved mm-hmm. over the years. Now, you'll figure we have 17 chapters of patrons throughout the world. Oh, 17 wow. throughout the world. We're interfaith. Someone does not have to be Catholic. We have those who are of other you know, faiths, other beliefs. But it seems the common interest is the cultural heritage of the Vatican and art. And you had mentioned And just, that crosses uh, a lot of borders. Across, exactly. Yeah. That is, you know, that's the bridge between arts so many sure. times. You had mentioned that, that question of Pope Francis and, you know, where is the art? And, you know, uh, people will often say to us, you know, well, the Vatican has so much money and they have so much art. No, Francis has been very, very clear, as with the other popes, you know, that this art, this cultural heritage is for the entire world. And this is the way we communicate what we believe, what uh, has happened, the patrimony, as we call it, of the faith over 2,000 years and even beyond. You know, we have a lot of art that comes from before the Christian era, but it's just the synthesis. It's one of the greatest collections of art in the entire world. Well, I remember hearing somebody say once, the Vatican has all this art, and couldn't they just feed the, the people of the world by selling the art? And the person answered and said, the Vatican, is they are the guardians, the custodians of that art. In addition to which, if you could put a price on something that's priceless, you'd probably feed the world's poor for like three days. Mm-hmm. And then there would be nothing else to go back on, but they don't have the right really to do that as custodians. Exactly. So, you know, uh, when you look at it, this art, where are you going to put it, how are you going to pick it up and move it? Something like the Sistine Chapel. Exactly. That's for all times. Sure. You know, it belongs to the whole world, even though it's the Pope's private chapel, yeah. as it were. And we have uh, on the rolls right now about 1,500 patrons around the world. And these are steady members that stay with us. We have members that go back 40 years. It's now become legacy because their children, their grandchildren now become patrons. And this is the beauty of it. And you figure we're as far out as Asia. We're here in uh, Europe. And we're also, of course, in Canada and North America, which are our largest population. And that's where everything began. Mm -hmm. Well, let me tell you a minute about Asia because about two, I think it was two years ago, maybe three, somebody suggested to the patron's office that when a group comes for some kind of an anniversary, that those people in Rome who are patrons receive them into their home. And a group came from Singapore, and at the very table, dinner table, where you and I are seated, I hosted six people from Singapore, three couples. It was fascinating. Mm-hmm. They, they all spoke, of course, beautiful English. But just to hear their stories, stories as a couple, how they got involved in the patrons, how they first learned in Singapore, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. of the patrons. Mm-hmm. And that was such a rewarding experience. And it was a great idea. I think 30 or so came from Singapore. Mm-hmm. So Joan had six, somebody else had six. And it was a wonderful, and when they all got together after their dinner parties, 
they talked about how wonderful it was, A, to be in a home, mm-hmm. B, to be with somebody else who's, who's a patron. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that's been That has continued. I mean, that, that, that tradition has continued, oh, and it's an incredible tradition. And I can honestly say that the uh, Asia chapter, based in Singapore, and but has other countries involved with it, right. has taken off, and they have... Uh, uh, they have done wonderful, and they usually come once a year as a large group, as the Italians say, "faccia faccia," face to face. That's exactly. how everybody meets uh, each other, sure. and then they're inspired, and they learn. And this passing from, as I say, one generation to another is just incredible. You know, and I think that relationship, the value of relationships, it's true in any field. It can be a, a medical field, it can be art, it can be sports, whatever it is. It you bring people together. What unites them commonly, you know, in this case art, is going to be what keeps them united and and what's going to make them tell others. Relationships are born of that common passion. What are the benefits of being a patron? Well, there are great benefits. First of all, we thank all those who are patrons and those who are thinking about patrons. Uh, But when you come to Rome... Uh, we get advance notice that you're coming to Rome as a patron. You know, you can join as an individual, as a family, uh, and oftentimes, perhaps once or twice every other year, a, a chapter. As I mentioned, we have 17 chapters around the world. Sure. Uh, they'll come together as a chapter, maybe 30, 40, 50 people, and we have special events for them as chapters. But if an individual patron or their family comes together, uh, they let us know, and then we provide a private tour to the Sistine Chapel other parts of the um, Vatican museums, the gardens, for example, which much of the gardens the patrons have restored. They'll go out there to visit Santa Rosa Necropolis, which is uh, oh yes, is, is incredible. And we yes. have to thank our Canadian patrons for that in Washington D.C. in particular over the years. Um, this is a spot in the Vatican, as you know, they discovered this basic cemetery. That was preserved. Uh, the Via Triumphalis, right? Via yeah. Triumphalis, exactly. And it's fascinating. People uh, go to see that. They'll come and see the restoration laboratories. They'll actually meet the restorers. Oh, that I think work. has got to be the most amazing part. One time, not, actually not as a patron, but when I was working at the Vatican at the press office, one day I went to the to get a papal mm-hmm. blessing for someone. And as you walk in this little entryway to this mini courtyard on the left was the tapestry. And so my another colleague of mine said, Joan, why don't we just knock on the door and see if they'll let us in? <laughs> and Carmen was that way. Well, we knocked on the door. They were overjoyed. Mm-hmm. And I don't suppose just anybody could, but we were colleagues who worked at the Vatican. We're out of time this weekend, but come back next week for part two of my conversation with Monsignor Terence Hogan, coordinator of the Patrons of the Arts of the Vatican Museums. We're going to learn then about the various restoration projects, tapestries, wood, mosaics, painting, sculpture, etc., and some little-known secrets about restoration. You'll also learn how to be a patron of the arts in the Vatican Museums. For more information on these stories or to check out Joan's blog and to ask her a question, go to EWTN.com. That's EWTN.com. Thanks for listening to Vatican Insider on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.